The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Hi, I'm Bill's defensive end Greg Russo, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills! Yeah. 2022. We here. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you guys so much for joining us in this special preview episode of the Buffalo Bills versus the Baltimore Ravens. As always, this episode is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at DeLago. If you are in the central New York or western New York area, do yourself a favor. Go over to the DeLago Resort and Casino. Check them out. It is a great time. We are joined by a very special guest in this preview episode. He is an eight-year NFL veteran tight end. He's gone to two Super Bowls, won one with the Buccaneers in 2002, and went to another one with the Baltimore Ravens. He currently hosts the Believe in Ravens podcast with Bo Smolka. I'd like to welcome Daniel Wilcox to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Daniel, it is so good to talk to you. How are you? I'm awesome, Nate, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited about being on Circling the Wagons, baby. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on and doing this. So first things first, Ravens just come off a, a big win against the Patriots. Um, let me know, let listeners know, people that haven't been following the Ravens seasons really closely so far, how has it been going so far as opposed to before preseason predictions or, or thoughts or, or, or forecasts? Um, for the first three games of the year, um, Lamar Jackson has absolutely been, absolutely been playing lights out. So, I mean, he, it was a contract situation before the season started with Lamar. And, um, everybody was wondering how much money guaranteed they was going to give Lamar. They, he had a, a date set before the season started, like literally before the first game, right before the first game to try to get in a contract set up. Lamar does not have an agent. He's his own agent. Him and his mom kind of does all that stuff on his own. Um, the contract didn't get, 
they didn't get what they wanted to get. You know, they was it was somewhere around you know the lines of what Kyler Murray was getting like two hundred and thirty mil, like a hundred and fifty guaranteed, a hundred and eighty guaranteed, or something. But whatever it was, I think Lamar was pushing for the two hundred guarantee mark. He didn't get it, so we jumped into the season. He decided, as being his own agent, he'll play for the contract that he want. You know, but he came into this league, you know, telling everybody that he wanted to bring a, a Super Bowl to Baltimore, and I think that's his goal this year. He's been playing so well as a QB, super high QB rating every single week, week in, week out. Had two games with over 100 yards rushing, and I could talk about Lamar all day, but you know, he's the he's the quarterback, he's the centerpiece of the team. So we feed off our QBs as players. So as players, we go in. If we know we got a quarterback that's going to give us a chance to win this game, we're going to do everything under the sun to make sure that we support him the best way that we possibly can. Versus if you got a quarterback, you ain't too sure about that guy. You know, you kind of go into this thing scratching your head like, bro, it don't matter what we do today. There's no way we're going to beat Josh Allen. There's no way we're going to beat Tom Brady. There's no way we're going to beat Peyton Manning. You know, you know that thing. You know that going into the game. So when you got a quarterback like Lamar as a player on the offensive side or the defensive side, it worked both ways. The defense guys come off that field. They go on that field saying, don't worry about it. We're going to get you the ball back if you get a turnover. Now, they know right now what you can do with the ball in your hands. And Lamar is such an exciting guy that he makes you want to go out there and give your best week in and week out, Nate. And um, this season, week one, week two, week three, what you've seen is a display of talent and just natural ability and a lot of hard work and effort and offseason put in of a guy that knows he has to lead one of the best teams in this nation um, to, to successful wins week in and week out. You know, So we came out on top week one. Uh, came out on top week two and then week three against um, the Dolphins. You know, we took an L at the end of the game that was very uncharacteristic of the Baltimore Ravens. We gave up, we gave up a touchdown. Um, we gave up two touchdowns at the end of the game, three touchdowns at the end of the game, and blew a 21-point lead in the fourth quarter that we never do. Our defense is usually the most solid part of the Baltimore Ravens. Now it's kind of transitioning over to the offense as being like the main part of the of, of the team. you know. But we're supposed to have the best secondary in the league, and we gave up two bombs off miscommunications and blown coverages to Tyreek Hill and Waddle and company. Um, and Tua and company. So, I mean, it was, it, you know, we're we trying to figure some things out. I think that was week two, not week three, but week two, yeah. You know, um, and, and, and we're we trying to figure some things out. You know, we got a new defensive coordinator in Mike McDonald, and he's coming in. He's implementing what he's, did, what, what he's doing. And, you know, it's, it's not like having Wink Martindale and the guys have some adjustment and some things they got to get used to. And um, I think they're adjusting still right now, and they're getting, they're getting some of their key guys back which is very important. People don't realize how banged up we were last year, Nate. We lost over 30-some players to injury, and, mo- and most of those guys, almost 90% of those guys were starters. All right, and now you come back, and a lot of those guys that got season-ending injuries before the season started last year are now starting to trickle back onto the field one by one, you know, after rehabbing the entire offseason. And um, it's going to be pretty exciting, man, to see how this thing plays out the rest of this year. So it sounds like, based on that, that, you know, and the Bills are in a similar situation with injuries. I mean, they've just been bitten by the bug, and yeah. uh, and they're losing a lot of starters early on. And, you know, our hope as Bills fans is that they're just going to start trickling in, like you said, and just make the team even stronger and stronger. Hopefully we don't lose more players. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at that, I mean, it, going into the season, I mean, if they have a winning record and then all of a sudden they start getting these pe- places back, I mean, they could, they could be unstoppable in the second half of the season based on that, right? Absolutely. I mean, if the Ravens continue to get healthy, which is, you know, in December, that's the thing, like be healthy in December, right? If you could be healthy in December and still kind of be strong and have a lot of energy in December, man, and you still playing at a high level, 
by come December, I mean, there's no telling where you might end up. Most likely you may end up into that, that thing that we all want to go to, that Super Bowl. <laughs> and um, the Ravens are starting to get one guy after another guy after another guy back. And then last year we lost every single running back, every single DB we had. All our starters were gone. You know, this year we got Marlon Humphreys back, you know, and that, that's that's super good. When it got a super dope safety in Williams, then we drafted Hamilton, you know. So, I mean, and, and then don't forget Marcus Peters, you know, on the other corner. I mean, give, having him back is huge. We lost both of our starting corners last year. So, we got a whole new secondary. Guys are learning how to play with one another, and they're only going to get better week in and week out. It's the Baltimore Ravens. You know, they're known for defense. These guys are not trying to let anybody down on paper i think we're the number one team in the, in the nation on paper we just got to go out here and play to that standard and i think buffalo has been doing just that they've been playing to that standard you know tough loss last week against the dolphins you know for the bills but at the end of the day i mean it's the nfl it's any given sunday right absolutely absolutely <laughs> you, i mean you know more than most uh, it was an uncharacteristic loss for the baltimore ravens to lose mm-hmm. it was an uncharacteristic loss for the bills to have lost this past week um when you look back at that Dolphins loss, was it more of the Ravens giving the game away to the Dolphins or the Dolphins really just ripping it out of the Ravens' hands? It was definitely miscommunications and breakdowns and coverages and stuff like that. Anytime that happened, that's, that's, you, you always say, we always say we can't beat ourselves. That's us beating ourselves at that moment. You know, when we don't, when you study all week and you practice all week and you got everything on lock and then people go down and people get hurt and you start interchanging some new guys in and then those guys come in and then all of a sudden you're not on the same page, that's definitely you self-sabotaging yourself. As a, as a backup in this league, I don't care if you're third screen, if you're fourth screen, you have to practice like you're the starter. You never know. You're one play away from your number being called. You're two plays away from your number being called, three plays away from your number being called. And, and it's just like that. If you're not prepared, if you're not at your best when you come in that game and you didn't study, I mean, I'm never going to play. I mean, Marcus Peters in front of me, such and such in front of me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to get in front of these guys. You're one play away from being a nickel guy. You know, so you just never know, you know, and we had some injuries, some guys go down and some young guys came in and all of a sudden we went on the same page and Kyle Hamilton back there, you know, anytime you see DBs do their hands like this and they shoulders like that, you know, something's up, Nate, you oh, know, yeah. something's wrong oh, yeah. and something's not right. It's a miscommunication breakdown somewhere. And you see guys complete, like pleading with each other, bro, like, where were you? Th- <laughs> we was in cover two. No, I thought we was in cover three. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a big difference, man. When you think you got help over the top and you don't. You know, you let a guy run right by you because you think you got help, and all of a sudden the ball's up in the air, and you look into the the guy, the guy that's supposed to be over the top. He's in the middle of the field. Like, what are you doing over there? You know, so yeah. you can't run these guys down. It's Tyreek Hill and Jason Waddle, man. You exactly, know exactly. I know that. I know the universal sign is like, I thought you had him. No, I thought you had. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I, I want to transition real quick just to your career based on what you just mentioned because I know you're an undrafted guy out of Appalachian State, and yes, you just mentioned coming. Like uh, you're you're one play away, two play away, three plays away. You had that mentality. That's why you stuck in the NFL and you went to two Super Bowls and you won one. Um, do you think when you look around the locker, I mean, does does everyone have that mentality? Those second and third string, fourth string guys, or is it just like a certain amount of people, even within the locker room, have that? No, nah, you you don't. You don't. I don't think most guys come into the league with that mentality. You know, like I I didn't come in the league with that mentality. I came in the league was I was the dude. I was that guy. When I was at high school, I was the guy. When I was in JUCO, I was the guy. When I was at App State, I was the guy along with a couple of other of my teammates that was the guy. And they already knew if they got me the ball, it was going to be a freaking problem, you know. So when I got to the when I got to the league, I went to the Jets first, and I had to figure it out, man. I, I really did. I had to figure it out. It was a rough two or three years, you know, in New York two years, Tampa a year, then Germany, NFL Europe. That's when I figured it out in NFL Europe, 
You know, I sat at home on the couch after I got cut by Tampa Bay in 2003 after the Super Bowl. And I was sitting there thinking, bro, like I'm looking at TV and I'm watching games, guy, games every Sunday and I'm watching guys play that I felt like, man, I knew him better than him. Like, how is he? He on his, He's out there playing and balling right now. And like I was going through that mental disconnect in my head where I don't know if they really like me, you know, and it's one of those things. It's just like a relationship with a beautiful girl. When you get her, you're like, bro, does she really like me? You know what I'm saying? Like she like she has to do some astronomical stuff to really show you that she's there for you. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, she's out of your league. But you like, nah, bro, like I'm gonna shoot my shot. <laughs> and it's the same way when you go play in the NFL, you know, like you get there and it's it's the NFL is that beautiful girl. And you're sitting there like, does she really like me? Like <laughs> you scratching your head, like she got me coming off the bench. She she dating this other dude right in front of my face. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's that disconnect and that disrespect that you feel because you feel like in your heart you're that guy, but now you're second guessing yourself because that guy in front of you is starting over you. He's getting to talk to the girl every day. He's getting to take her out every weekend to that big game and, and, and she's, she's pouring back into him where he's pouring to her and you're trying to pour into her everything, but she still brush you off because she got this other guy that she really feeling right now. <laughs> and that's kind of how you feel. And there's a lack of confidence that starts to fall over you. And that's what happened to a lot of young guys in this league. It's the guys that have enough confidence to fight through that that lack of confidence that get to that spot where they know they got to be ready to go at any moment. It took me four years to be at that point. I got over to Germany, balled out over there. I was a starter there. When I got back here, uh, I had teams fighting over me again, just like it was the first year in the league, you know, coming out of, you know, getting undrafted. I had 15 teams calling. I had another 15 teams calling when I got back from Germany. I decided to go to Baltimore because that's where I wanted to go originally in the first place, mm-hmm. you know, coming out of App State. And um, when I went there, it was just me, Todd Heap, and Terry Jones. And there was another kid named Trent that went to Oklahoma. And um, Trent was hurt already, so it really was just me, Terry Jones from Alabama, and then Ty Heat from Arizona. And um, I felt like I, would, I was going to compete. You know, Terry Jones was a different type of tight end than I was. He was a little slower, a little bigger body, strong, could block a lot. I was more of a, of a dynamic receiver kind of hybrid type, you know, mm-hmm. kind of what everybody has right now. Oh, yeah. And Heat was kind of that same prototype as me. So I felt like if I came in and I really put my best foot forward, you know, I had a chance to show the world and shock Baltimore that you no know, Daniel Wilcox had arrived and that's what happened. I went out there and I treated every single rep like I was the starter. And I never said I wasn't going to be the starter. I told myself going in there, I'm going in there for the number one spot. I know Todd Heat make 20 mil. I'm going in there to try to figure out how I can get at least half of that, you know? <laughs> and um and I went in there and I just played like I was a starter from day one and I never let up and that that's that's how I ended up being a 5-year starter in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. That's a great story just in general for people in life, I mean, how to view adversity and things that get in your way and to just the confidence to just overcome it instead of just saying, well, you know, it stinks that I'm not in the NFL right now. Oh, well, you know, or, or I'm not dating the pretty girl. Oh, well, you know, mm-hmm. this is the, the you got to move past it. You have to keep working harder and keep pushing forward. I love that analogy. I'm glad you shared that with us. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, let's go back to Lamar Jackson. There is just so much criticism over this young man. And he's so we as Bills fans can kind of relate to it a little bit because Josh Allen, when he came into this league, I mean, I feel like if it wasn't for Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson would have had the most criticism coming into the draft. Josh Allen had a lot, and even into his second and third years, uh, you know, he was a running quarterback, not an actual passing quarterback. Lamar Jackson in his fifth year still dealing with those those issues. Even so, I mean, in your own opinion, you know, everything on the table, why? Are folks still not being able to believe that Lamar Jackson is as good of a quarterback as he as he plays every Sunday? 
Well, a lot of it is media. You know, media kind of p- portrays a lot of the the negative stuff you see. But you, I love the way you said criticism or 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 stuff like that because we just call it hate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of hate coming from you know a lot of shade coming from these guys or these people. And I think what it comes down to for me, Nate, when I look at Lamar Jackson, is he's just more talented than any other quarterback in the league, right? So if I got a quarterback that's more talented at doing something that your quarterback can't do. Why wouldn't I embrace that, right? So the fact that this guy is so talented running, he stop and start, and he get the top speed faster than any quarterback in the league, and he's able to – his play fakes are, are that more, much more dramatic because people fear the fact that he will run the ball. So they don't know if they should key on him or if they should key on the running back. You know, what happened last week was we got Dobbins back. So once we got Dobbins back, people was like, they're going to try to get the ball to Dobbins. So they started keying on Dobbins. And then he was able to pull it, and he was able to get that 100-yard game because he, not, you know, the weeks prior, he had been giving, 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 giving because everybody can't know him. Mm-hmm. So he started giving it to the running backs, and we still wasn't getting the yardage that we were supposed to get. What happened last week was now that you got Dobbins back, you got Hill back, now that they start, he started to get to put the balls in their pocket, and people actually respect those two guys a little bit more than the guys that we had back there last year and early in the season. And then all of a sudden, he was able to pull some, and he's getting 20, 30-yard runs. If I got a quarterback – that's so talented that he can actually run the ball and get yards in the NFL against the best players in the freaking world, the Olympics of football, then why not allow this guy to run the ball sometimes? So he gets punished for getting 15, 16, 18 carries a game, you know, which for other quarterbacks, they don't get carries. (laughs) Nobody runs their quarterback because they're not that good to run. And when they do run, it's a scramble or they're extending the play and they happen to just take off upfield. He gets those plays too, but he got designed runs for him. So when you look at quarterback and they got 35 attempts, hell, Joe Flacco last week threw the ball 52 times for the Jets and still lost. Lamar ran the ball, I think, 16 times last week and he threw the ball freaking 28 times last week. You know, so if you take those 15s and you add it to that 28, you know, he threw the ball an awful lot. But his legs are so dynamic that you're able to take away some of his throws and put them into his legs. But if he just had to sit back there and throw the ball the entire time, like the rest of these quarterbacks, he shows you week in and week out that he can throw the ball and put it on the money and and throw it with accuracy. They just don't ask a guy that's as dynamic as him to throw the ball 50 times a game. You know, he's too dynamic with his legs as well. And you can't hate the man because he's better than your guy. And that's how I look at it. And I just feel like it's a lot of people out there that are still hating on him because you had one guy that evaluated him and said that he wasn't a quarterback, he was a running back, which they do to most black guys because they're so athletic. Mm-hmm. You know, so why can't you have an athletic quarterback? Ask yourself that question. Why can't you have a quarterback that's super dynamic? Mm-hmm. I would have died to play with somebody like Lamar Jackson. I never got that opportunity. Closest I've ever gotten to that, Nate, was Steve McNair when he came to Baltimore at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. And by that time, he was barely running. He was, you know, he was he was in his wheelchair already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so I remember I remember Bill Polian being the one to say that about Lamar Jackson. He's not a yeah. quarterback. He's a running back. And I remember thinking at the time, like, I love Lamar Jackson coming out of college because I thought the Bills were going to draft him. I didn't think that yeah. they were going to draft Josh Allen. At the time, I actually... Right. To be fair, I didn't necessarily want Josh Allen either. Right. Um, and I looked at, like, I remember sitting with my buddy at a bar, looking at highlights of Lamar Jackson throwing the ball, not even running the ball. That was, like, secondary to me, just throwing the ball. And just him just 
throwing dimes 40 yards down the field. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember thinking, like, this is the guy I want. At the time, we had Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor was a very good quarterback, but he, he, was. wasn't, he wasn't at the level of Lamar Jackson, especially with, like, the ceiling that, that Lamar has. No, nobody was, yeah. Why would anyone not want, like, a Michael Vick-esque mobile quarterback with the ability to also throw it. I mean, that was always Michael Vick's, you know, weakness was that he wasn't as good passing the ball, but the the ceiling on Lamar Jackson just seemed so much higher. Uh, you know, when you look at, I, I, I saw something interesting it was Dan Orlovsky was, was going through it um, on ESPN and he was showing the different progressions that Lamar Jackson is going through now, um, even into this fifth year. Like he had, he'd gone through four, progressions just to get to one pass earlier on in the pocket i mean do you see that from a passing standpoint as well like uh, not only does he have a cannon for for an arm he's being more accurate but you see like even even a progression from last season to this season um in trying to prove himself maybe just obviously trying to get to the super bowl but also trying to prove himself for that big deal I, i i've seen a lot of change in him this season already and i think you know, it's a lot of what Josh Allen has. You know, it's a lot of what Tom Brady has, right? Where you see um, your Peyton Manning's, you know, the guys that that, are, that played this game for a long time and was really consistent. You know, I, what I see is the patience starting to develop and the understanding that in this league, you can't force things, right? You have to be able to take what the league gives you. And they're going to give you things. I mean, cover two is cover two. Cover three is cover three. Cover four is cover four. Zero, no one. All of them are they're they're based. They're zone coverages. They're man coverages. And you know where these guys are going to be based off the you know the coverage and how they line up pre snap and stuff like that. You know, so when you get your first read open, you have to take it. If he's open, get it to him. And I think that's what Josh Allen does a really good job of. You know, that's what Tom Brady has done a great job of his entire career. He will take that first guy on a check down or a flat route or a quick slant or whatever. Right now, he's not waiting for the the swing or the wheel route to open up late or the deep post to come open, even though it's going to be open too. He's not waiting on that. He's going to make you have to cover that slant. Until you start to cover that slant, he's going to throw it every single time. And I think Lamar is starting to get a little bit of that patience, which I think is awesome. And what people don't realize, this is one of the things I try to get people to understand, like how special Lamar is. Right. And this is this is my 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 wholehearted true breakdown of how special I think this kid is. He graduated high school early, you know, went to Louisville early. You know, so he graduated as a junior. That's how smart he was in high school. He's that sharp. He's smart. He went there early. So, he, you know, early enrollee, by the time he got there, he's already advanced. So he gets there as a true freshman, plays his first year, balls out. Then his his sophomore year wins the Heisman, his sophomore season. It's nothing else bigger to do in, in college football but winning the national t- title. At Louisville, you're really not going to get a chance to win a national title unless you beat everybody convincingly and undefeated all year long. So he comes back to his junior year, which really should be his sophomore year. Of, of college mm-hmm. and he literally leaves after his junior year to go to the NFL so he's the youngest quarterback to ever start a game in the NFL think about that and then now he's in year five just like Josh Allen is in year five and all these and everybody's older than him he's the youngest one out of all the starting quarterbacks there's only one quarterback I think right now that's starting that's younger than him everybody else is is older think about that he's still the youngest starting quarterback in the NFL so if your guy is two years older than Lamar he has two years of advancement on Lamar already, and he's still that guy. He was MVP his second year in the NFL of the whole league over every running back, over every receiver, over every D lineman, over every kicker, over every safety, cornerback, whatever. He was the number one player in the NFL his sophomore season in the NFL. Just think about that. 
You know, and he's still the youngest quarterback in the league. You have to really give that some thought and some recognition and some understanding of how dynamic this kid could possibly be, you know, in his seventh season and his eighth season and his ninth season in the NFL. He's still going to be one of the youngest starters at that point, and he's going to be that much more dynamic. He's going to be in two years. He will be what Josh Allen is. You know, let's say Josh Allen is 25, Lamar is 23. In two years, he'll be 25, Josh Allen will be 27. <laughs> then then in two years, if he's as good as Josh Allen was this year, then you could be like, okay, this dude is for real. You understand what I'm saying? He gets no credit as the youngest guy in the league doing what he's doing. And I, th- I just feel like that's unfreaking believable. Imagine what your kid was at 12 and, and, and 14 and, and 14 and 16 and 16 and 18, how good they were from those two years. He's two years behind almost every starting quarterback in the league, and people still hate this kid. And I don't understand it. It just baffles me. And maybe it's just me because I'm an athlete. I've been through it. I've been through the fire. I did it the hardest way you could do it, from JUCO to NFL Europe, the whole nine yards. And I'm here looking at this situation like, what the hell is wrong with these people? (laughs) It's so so obvious, right? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's like, what are y'all missing? Like, this kid is so dynamic, man. It, it, It excites me to understand exactly who he is. And I think what a lot of people, what a lot of people miss about this situation. And when you look at a kid like Josh Allen and you look at a kid like Lamar Jackson, and when you put them head to head coming together out of college, Lamar had a head, you know, he had braids, he had tattoos. He's from Miami. Doesn't speak as eloquent. Josh is just coming from Wyoming. I know. Cause he had just beat us. I was at Georgia state at the time. He beat us in a bowl game, you know, coming out and everybody was talking about, he was supposed to be this next great thing. And the kid was phenomenal. He beat the crap out of Georgia state that year in the bowl game. Um, he was phenomenal, but you look at it, you're, you're talking about if you go in for a regular job interview, at McDonald's or, or Chick-fil-A. Let's say Chick-fil-A because that's a good example, right? <laughs> yeah. You're, gonna, you're probably going to pick Josh Allen over Lamar Jackson just because you want it to look a certain way when they greet people, when they meet people, right? So you, you don't want the guy with dreads or braids or the guy with tattoos. They tell us, even as black men, we got to get our hair cut and keep a low haircut all the time and keep your face clean. You know, no tat, don't, go, don't go in showing tattoos in your job interview. Mm. Lamar is coming out about to make millions and millions and millions of dollars. He's the kid with the tattoos, the kids with the braids in his head, and he's from Miami, and he's a black kid. And then you got Josh Allen coming from Wyoming, and you quarterbacks are always notoriously known to be the face of the franchise. Do I want that guy to face in my franchise? Do I want this guy to face in my franchise? Eh, I'm going to go with the clean-cut kid out of Wyoming, you know, that likes to tilt cows and stuff for fun, you know? So it just is one of those things, Nate, where you just – you. I mean, you have to put – I'm going to give this guy millions of dollars. He's going to be the face of my franchise. He's going to be the face of – you know, and that's – to me, I think a lot of that stuff comes into play when you make these decisions. So you got one guy calling him a guy running back, even though he's dynamic as a passer, just wants the Heisman Trophy for throwing and running, not just for running, but for doing something so dynamic that's never been done throwing and running, he wins the Heisman, right? And then he's not good enough to be your starting quarterback. You want to move him to a receiver or running back. Come on, man. You know, it makes no sense. Well, I, I'm glad you brought up you know, the part of, of his intelligence because I don't think that gets talked about enough. enough. About like, And I think that that might be a stereotype too that's just, it's just not discussed. I mean, with Josh, he had one of the highest you know, scores coming out of the Wonderlick. Um, and that year in the draft, uh, and people don't really talk about his intelligence until this last season. Until honestly, until the 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 Kansas City Chiefs uh, Bills game this last year when he just went off. Um, you know, he was still he, he was in the MVP conversation, but people didn't. I'm glad you brought up Lamar's intelligence too, because um, I just I don't think that gets discussed enough. And there is a stereotype 
specifically with you know people with dreads and tattoos you know black men mm-hmm. in general and it's just i i i find that you know and i'm glad you brought that up because i that's what i see from the outside because i mean right. i think buffalo bills fans in general i think we really respect lamar and we like it because we kind of see a similarity of these two guys and we know josh was yeah. just on with uh cow brand josh Allen was and he said how much love he has for lamar jackson and how much yeah. he cares about and he doesn't throw away he, he's talked about I think only two or three different quarterbacks that way. Patrick, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, I think Tua just this past week, only since his conversation though. But, um, you know, I, I feel like that is a stereotype outside of, you know, Baltimore, outside of, you know, Buffalo. I remember when, when Lamar went out, all the Bills fans felt bad and they, they donated to his, you know, his fund for uh, his charity because of, uh, you know, would have liked to have seen him finish that game because he's that good. And you know that the, the team was just, you know, hurting that much without him, but, but, you know, right. appreciate you, you, you lend in your, your, your opinion on Lamar and stuff like that, your expertise. I want to talk about the Ravens in general, their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, you mentioned on your podcast, you know, on the believe in Ravens podcast that, you know, the pass rush still isn't quite there. Do you see that as the biggest weakness of the Ravens right now? If you had to, if you had to take a, a stab at one, Right now, I, I want to say it's the secondary. I feel like <clears throat> if I had to say the biggest weakness is the secondary. And I think this week they're going to try to export us and take advantage of that with Josh Allen. He's a sharp kid. He's very smart. And he's going to he's gonna find the open guy. And he got dope receivers. His receivers are really good. You know, so I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to how well our secondary play and how well they defend and the game plan that they come up with to stop Josh Allen and company on their side. You guys got really good running backs. The O-line is playing exceptionally well. I mean, you guys are a solid freaking football team. And, and you, can't, you haven't been able to say that for a long time. I remember playing the, the Bills when I was a rookie. And um, we went down to, we went to Buffalo. It was the coldest game I ever played in my life. But Curtis Martin was our running back. And, and I remember going over. He used to be in, in Buffalo before he came to New York. And I remember how, you know, intense it was. We won that game on an overtime play with Chad Morton returning the touchdown for a touchdown on the first play of overtime. Wow. I don't know if you remember that game. It's way mm-hmm. back in, like, 2001. Mm-hmm, yep. You know, but it was an exciting time for us. Um, and I know Buffalo – is a town that's really wrapped around this team. And they, this is, you know, when you, when you plan as well as Josh Allen's plan, you got the whole city behind you, the whole state of New York, Buffalo, everybody's behind you. So, um, they're going to come in here with a lot of emotion. They lost the game last week that they shouldn't have lost, you know, time, bad management, clock management, whatever you want to put it on. And I think they're going to look to exploit the weaknesses of our defense. The fact that our pass rest isn't what it's been in the last freaking 20 years. Um, I think that definitely comes into play because it makes our secondary have to work a little bit harder. You know, it gives the quarterback more time. You don't want to give Josh Allen any time. You want to be in his face. You want to disrupt everything. You want to disrupt his handoff timing. You want to disrupt the snap from the quarterback to the center, you know, from the center to the quarterback. You want to disrupt every freaking thing you can when you got a, you're playing against a quarterback as dynamic as him, you know. So I think we need to be on our P's and Q's, and I think our, our DB's are going to have a long day if they're not communicating well, if they're not in the right places, if the coverage is not called right at the right time. And, you know, with all the analytics and stuff that are going on now in the league, they know what you're going to do on first down. They know what you're going to do on second down. They know what your favorite play is because you've ran it more than any other play. They know that now. You know, they know you rather they know if, if your coordinator likes to run the ball to the right. A lot. You know, they know on third down, this is your favorite play on third down. They taking that crap away. You're not running that play today. You know, so it's like the 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 thing that's always been impressive to me is you always eliminate the best player on the other team. You don't let him beat you. So you got to debate who's the best player is on the Buffalo Bills team. You know, is it Stephon Diggs, you know, or is it Josh Allen? Either way it go, 
You can't let either one of them guys beat you. How do you stop Josh Allen from beating you? You got to disrupt his timing. You got to make him, you got to make every throw he throws contested from the backfield. And then you got to make it a contested catch, you know, on, in, the, in the defensive backfield as well. You know, and I think if you can figure out a way to do that, disrupt timing, you know, slow Stephon Diggs down at the line of scrimmage, slow, you know, slow the rest of those guys down at the line of scrimmage so that he has to pat the ball once or twice to give those guys a little extra time to come get him. I think that's exactly what we're going to have to do in order to win this game. Uh, and we got to get them off the field. You know, you can't let them stay on the field on third down. You got to put them in first and long, second and long, third and long situations, and you got to stop them from getting those thirds downs. If our if our DBs can play the game that they're capable of playing, let this game be the one. You know, if they play the best game they've played all year, then I think we got this one in the back. Mm-hmm. So right now the Bills are three-point favorites versus the Ravens, uh, both the same record. <laughs> it is, right? Based on what you just said, it is. <laughs> I think people... Do you, I, what, I always like that, you know, watching the uh, the odds and everything like that because it's so biased, I think, towards the Bills being Super Bowl favorites in general. And, you know, everyone's not will- willing to get off of that just because of last week's injuries. The Bills are getting some players back. But at the same time, I mean, you're playing in Baltimore. That's not an easy place to play at all. It's not. Um what do you have as a prediction for this game if you were to give one right now based on what you know? As far as points or score? Uh, score, win, loss, uh, who wins, who loses, yeah. Well, you can't ever ask me that, especially when you're talking about Baltimore. <laughs> I'm always going to go with Baltimore no matter what. I don't care if we got 35 players hurt, I'm still going with Baltimore. Uh, you know, so I got the Ravens winning this one at M&T Bank all day long. I just feel like M&T is one of the hardest places to play. It's electric. The energy is there. It's so freaking phenomenal. The fans are very smart. They're not dumb dumb fans at all. And they take their time to understand when they're supposed to cheer, when they're supposed to be quiet. They really get it. They're going to try to make it as uncomfortable as they can for Buffalo. If we get up by a couple of touchdowns early, it's going to be a long day for, for the Bills. You know, So the best thing is to do is to keep them quiet by not letting our offense get off and make good plays and stuff like that. If they can keep the um the M&T Bank fans quiet, you know the Buffalo Bills going to make it a long day for Baltimore. I think that evens the player fit, playing field quite a bit. If those fans are too like shell shocked to yell and scream while the, you know while Josh Allen is on the field and they can hear the play calls and they can hear the snap counts, then it's going to be a fairly easy day for them in Baltimore. And it's going to have to start from the opening kickoff. You know, the opening kickoff is big, 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 big. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So at least you plan on it being close, even though it's a Ravens win, right? Or is it going to be a blowout? Hopefully, it's close. This won't be. A, this will not be a blowout. It's no way. Uh-huh. It's no way. When you got two teams this dynamic, and one thing you can say about the Ravens is they're never going to quit. You know, any John Harbaugh team, they're never going to quit. You can be up by twenty-one points; they're going to continue to play. Um, and they could play well from behind. It's just how fast they shift to just passing game and, you know, and let Lamar do his thing. You know, what they say, what the boys say on, um, on the, on the football movie, put booby in and let booby spin. <laughs> yeah, Lamar is booby. You got to put booby in, baby, if you want to win, let booby spin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So you just, you know, it's one of those things where I think the Ravens is just a really talented team and so is the Buffalo Bills. This is going to be, to me, this is the game of the week. If you're going to watch a football game this week, this is the one you want to watch. It's going to be physical. It might be a couple of ejections. You know, it's going to be a hard-hitting game. It's going to look like old-school football a little bit. And I think it's going to be an opportunity for, for 
you know, for, for some great football. It's already been a dynamic season so thus far already. You know, you guys lost to Miami. We lost to Miami. Miami is rolling. Miami think they're on top of the world right now. We're going to see them in the playoff and beat their, beat their backs out. Exactly. You know, yeah, it's just one of those things, man. It's, it's the same thing, bro. You just you come out here and you, you know let the best team that prepared the best win, and let's see what happens. Yeah, I'm not worried about the Dolphins come uh, December when we play them again. I don't know if you saw after the uh, – after the Dolphins beat the Bills, they had uh, Mike McDaniel uh, with a little Gatorade shower from the little, like, little Gatorades in the vending machine, this little mini shower. I'm like, what are you guys doing? This is so pathetic. So I have to ask you, Daniel, thank you so much for That's coming good. on, by the way. This is this has been really a treat. Um, you know, this is, this is you know, you've been retired for a few years now, like you're tacking the podcasting thing. I, I think you're, you guys are, are doing a phenomenal job. And I talked to a thank bunch you. of, I've talked to several different hosts from the Believe Podcast Network, and this has been like a really fun conversation uh, what what does what does this part of your career or what is your goal? You know, how do you face this second half of your life now, knowing like you know with the same you know intensity that you did when you were sitting on the couch watching you know the NFL from from there? What is I mean, is it broadcasting? Is it podcasting full time? I mean, what what is what is the second half of, of your career? Yeah, that's a great question, Nate. You know, um, since I retired, I've done a little bit of everything, man. I've bounced all over. I'm, I build houses and stuff, and, you know, every day I have my own company. Um, I've trained pro athletes. I've coached pro athletes. I've coached college football, coached high school football, um, had my own training facility for a while. I've, I've done a little bit of everything. I even did Under Armour, Under Armour, I did Under Armour lacrosse camps for women. You know, USA Women Lacrosse Team. I worked with them on some bunch of um, on a bunch of lacrosse camps and stuff at one point. But at this point in time, when I first retired, I thought I was going to go right into broadcasting immediately. I had my own TV show in Baltimore inside the locker room, you know, with Bruce Cunningham. It was a television show. And um, I did a ton of radio in the city of Baltimore. So I literally thought broadcasting was going to be my wave. And then I got home. I moved back to Atlanta. I didn't stay in Baltimore like an idiot. I should have stayed in Baltimore for sure. You know, but I moved back here and I started over from scratch, man. And I had to rebuild. Re- and when, when the Believe in the Ravens podcast started, you know, I got excited about that because I wanted to be back on television. I wanted to be back on radio. And, you know, this is exciting to me. You know, I love doing this, man. I love talking to football. I love talking about sports. I love talking about the Ravens and other teams. And, you know, I would really love to be able to just secure a, a nice chunk in my life and just make this be all focused on this. And you know, I don't want to do anything half ass. So I want to give it my all. You know, whatever I do, I want to be the best at it. I don't know how to come off the bench for anybody. I've always been a starter in my life. I want to continue to be a starter. Want to thank Daniel Wilcox again for coming on Circling the Wagons podcast. I ran into a bit of a connection issue at the very end, uh, but as I mentioned earlier, you can find his podcast on the Believe in Ravens podcast on the Believe Podcast Networks. That's B L E A V. You can find him on Twitter at, at Coach Wilcox. That's at Coach Wilcox. And you can follow him on Instagram at Daniel.Wilcox. That's W-I-L-C-O-X. Again, this episode of Circling the Wagons podcast is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago. We will be out of town for the next week, or at least I'll be out of town. Uh, so you won't hear from us for the post game of the Bills Ravens game. Um, and we won't be back until the post game for the Bills Steelers game in about a week and a half. 
So uh, you'll be hearing from us then. We won't be doing any Twitter spaces, so if you're listening for those, uh, we're going to take a couple of weeks off for that. But we'll hit it back again for uh, the week after that, which I believe is the Chiefs game. So it's going to be an exciting ride. Um, Again, Coach Wilcox, Daniel Wilcox, super insightful person. It was really cool to get his insight on Lamar Jackson, the weaknesses and strengths of the Ravens' offense and defense, um, his prediction, which, of course, he has to pick the Ravens. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I think this is going to be – this is one of the tougher games that we put on the schedule before the season even started. And it is in Baltimore, which doesn't help the Bills um, – if the Bills can get back a couple more pieces on offense, specifically Mitch Morris, and on defense, if we could somehow get Ed Oliver back uh, for this next game and hopefully Dane Jackson back, um, I think the Bills win this game. I think they win it 27-24, uh, and that's my prediction. So uh, this episode has been brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago. Um, again, if you're in the Western New York, Central New York area, if you're on a game day or not a game day, uh, check out the Delago Resort and Casino. Uh, have a drink, get something to eat, grab something to eat at their sportsbook, or uh, make a bet, and uh, I guarantee you'll love it. And for me, Nate, go Bills, and we'll talk to you guys again after the Steelers game. Buffalo, 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 it's the mafia. Yeah. Buffalo, 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 it's the mafia. Yeah. Buffalo, 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 it's the mafia. Uh. It's the Buffalo Bills, eh? It's the Buffalo Bills, eh? Buffalo, 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 it's the mafia. Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, Shaq Lawson, who's stopping us? No. Trey Edmonds, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, who blocking us? No. I don't see nobody stopping us. No. Number one, no one on top uh. of us. What they gonna do in Matt Malone? Coming with the blitz off the edge Don't you throw it in the air Cause Trey White and Micah High will intercept Von Miller getting double team Now the team getting easy sacks Russo with the double moves Coming straight for the quarterback Take him down, take him down McDermott clapping on the sidelines And the crowd going crazy Mafia, it's our time Josh Allen, it's your time It's the Mafia, yeah Sunday, one Bills drive Mafia, where you at? Buffalo, 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 it's the mafia. 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 It's the Buffalo Bills, eh? It's the Buffalo Bills, eh? Buffalo, Buffalo. Buffalo, it's the mafia. Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, Shaq Lawson, who's stopping us? Trey Edmonds, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, who blocking us? I don't see nobody stopping us. Number one, no one on top of us. Mitch Moore snapped to Josh Allen, looking down the field, see no one open, so he scrambled right. He sees somebody open, but he off balance, so he gotta be focused. Dawkins with the block, Allen with the shock, 70 yards. Will it be called Gabe Davis or Jay Crowder? Down the field, past the whole roster, that Steph Diggs make it so easy. Touchdown, high. Our field rocking every Sunday. Got a hangover on every Monday. Get your bass kick, you know we winning. Josh Allen passing, who gon' pass us? With Devin and Cook, you know we great. If you're not a Bills fan, we don't relate. Nah. Buffalo, 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 it's the mafia. Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, Don Brown, who's stopping us? Trey Edmonds, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, who blocking us? No one. 
Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs>